1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass,
0: shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies.
2: Which teams will rise from the chaos?
0: Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into to work in traffic so slow connect the dishes to voices that glow thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio connect the stories change your perspective connecting changes everything at t
2: still in my life never had heard a crowd or louder than the, those oracle crowds during our playoff run i definitely do feel like uh you know that home court game seven crowd is very important. You know, you guys can make shots at home, they can't make them on
3: the road. You're starting to see that a lot in today's game. A lot of guys are big shot takers, but they're not big shot makers. Welcome
2: back to another edition of What's Burning. Jack, we're in the thick of the conference finals. Atlanta was able to advance yesterday with a big upset victory over the Philadelphia 76ers, knocking the number one seed in the East out. Kevin Herter led the Hawks with 27 points. Collins added a nice another double-double, 14 points, 16 rebounds. Trey Young was clutched down the end. Didn't shoot the ball well during the game, but what I loved about what he did, Jack, is he kept attacking, he kept putting pressure on it, and he figured, shit, if we're gonna lose, we're gonna lose on my shoulders, and I respect that from anybody, but especially a young superstar. Thoughts on the Hawks' performance? Uh, obviously, shout out Nate McMillan uh, with able uh, with their ability to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I love it, Matt. I think this this is a tough minded
3: team. I think the way Nate played, the way he approached the game, he's transferring that to his players. You know they—they they know that uh, they were up against the number one seed, but they went out there and played like they was the number one seed. They played with confidence through the ups and downs mm-hmm. of, the, of the series. They—they they stayed focused and—and—and and, and one thing you said about Trey—he didn't shoot well, but he kept confident. He still led the team. He still was a vocal leader. He still was passionate about the game. He didn't get down and hold his head down when he missed a shot. He kept going. And, uh, and, and that's what you have to do in the playoffs, man. It's all about being the best in in, uh, four times out of those seven games. And this team stayed focused enough to do it. They didn't worry about being, um, playing against the number one seed and who this team was. You know, they went out there
2: and showed they was a better team. And we know how that feels. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I can't say enough about what Trey Young's been able to do during these playoffs. Um, We owe them an apology. No, I don't think anyone saw them doing what they did, but they shocked everyone, and that's what you got to do, but again, I think at one point during the game, he was like three for 16 or three for 20, one of those two, but again, he kept shooting and hit some big threes and big floaters down the stretch, some big assists, so that's the kind of mentality you want with your star. The star, like, we're either going to, you know, slink or swim, you know, so He definitely led the team in other ways, but, you know, the supporting cast stepped up in a big way, and now they're off to face the Milwaukee Bucks. Jack, where does Philly go from here? As the great Skip Bayless said, uh, you know, Philly has one injured star and one star that's psychologically injured. So uh, where does Philly go from here?
3: Well, as talented as Ben Simmons is, I would never pay that much money for a player who can't shoot. A part of basketball is being able to shoot. I don't understand what, what, what they've seen in that. Uh, Brett Brown really handicapped him when he was there, didn't really make him work on his shot, didn't even try to give him confidence that he could shoot. So to, to be a basketball player and you're scared to shoot and you can't shoot, I don't know how you're going to be effective or how you're going to help any team with a dominant big man it's like Embiid. No team will win ever when you have a dominant big man that draws so much attention and you kick it out to your point guard and he's scared to shoot. It's just impossible to, it's just impossible to see anything going well. I think they got to make changes, and uh, even Doc Rivers is not
2: confident with going forward with Ben with Ben Simmons, and I understand totally why. To me, this is not even basketball for Ben Simmons. I think this is literally all psychological and mental, and you know, obviously you got to be careful when speaking on mental health, but I really feel like – he needs to see some kind of sports psychologist because I've seen him shoot in the summertime with confidence and knock down mid-range shots, knock down threes. Uh, but when the big lights um, of the playoffs come on, or really even the season, I just think he's hesitant to shoot that. I, I think it was a big sign when he, he you know, he, he he beat Gallo on that baseline spin, and instead of dunking on Trey Young, he passed the ball. And they and I think Embiid even spoke on it too. They hit one out of two free throws when he could normally just sit down and dunk that. So to me. I don't think it's about the hard work, because I know he does work hard, I know he puts those hours in. To me, it's up between his ears. So. Hopefully he's able to sit down with someone and just kind of clear his mental because we all know mental is the most important part of this game. It's 90% of the game. So he's got all the physical attributes. I think the mental part has to start coming around because he's literally, it looks like, scared to shoot. And 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 like you said, you have to be able to shoot when you're playing with a dominant big player. So it'll be interesting to see what happens um, this summer. If he is on the trade market, what kind of value can you get for him? Uh, I think Stephen A. Smith said this morning, uh, you know, can you can you even get a C.J. McCollum for for a Ben Simmons now? C.J. McCollum in Philly would be a fucking monster. So uh, we'll have to see what happens this summer. But uh, again, congrats to Atlanta for advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. Atlanta will be facing Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals. Who was able to outlast? The Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Giannis had 40 and 13 in the clinching game. Middleton, 23 and 10, played great all series. What what tripped me out was just the minutes that these guys played. This was really old school. Middleton and and, and Giannis, and then Katie on the other side, paying back to back complete games. Katie didn't go down without a fight, dropped 48 points. I just think he ran out of gas. Uh, James Harden was kind of a shell of himself, Uh, picked up offensively a, a little bit in the last few games. Uh, they're still an ABB on out on Joe Harris. They don't know where the fuck he's at. But uh, let's talk about this series and, and how Milwaukee was just able to outlast uh, you know a shorthanded uh, Brooklyn Nets team.
3: Yeah, uh, shouts out to KD, man. I, I had a lot of respect for him, but the respect is even through the roof now for the way he performed, uh, the way he went out there and put everything on the line, took care of his body to play the whole game, the last two games. That that showed a lot of respect. Of, of, of uh, strength and, and, and confidence to be able to go out there and play those games, you know, 48 minutes, two games back to back, and play well. Giannis and Middleton, you know, this is a two-headed monster. That's something that uh, Brooklyn didn't have. You know, both of their stars came to play. And to me, you know, a lot of people might bash me for it, but I think Middleton is the better player on that team because you can't take anything away from him. He can drive, he can post up, he can pull up, he can pass, he can dribble, he can do it all. You know, you can foul Giannis, and he can shoot an air ball from the free throw line. If, and I, that's what I think they should have done. They should have fouled him more. They didn't foul him enough. They just let him get to the bucket and 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 play and do shoot the shots that he uh, normally shoot, which is high percentage shots for the most part. We gotta stop calling these guys um, uh, de- uh, great shooters because anybody can make a shot in regular season, but a lot of these guys that they deem great shooters can't make a shot in the playoffs because the the, the moment is too big for them. Uh, Joe Harris was nowhere to be found, and when when you have guys down like Kyrie, when you have a a, a wounded, you can't have a wounded James Harden shooting and play better than you. Joe Harris was definitely uh, uh, definitely let me down because I was pulling for Brooklyn, and uh, even with Steve Nash, I think he. Had a problem with making adjustments. You know, you got D'Antoni on the sideline. He's not known to make adjustments. Your 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 coaching staff did not help you make the right adjustments when, when going through so many injuries and so many ups and downs. You want to protect the paint. You want to have somebody that can that can protect the paint and change shots. You didn't play DJ for what reasons? I don't know. But a lot of things that they did one wrong. One minute were, they were they, they relied too much on KD. DJ they not too one much minute, pressure bro. on KD. Right, dog, and, and, and we know. We know what DJ means to the team. We know his relationship with the players on that team. And that probably kind of killed the morale with him. I saw him sitting down a lot during the games, and that's totally not DJ. He's normally upbeat into the game. So Steve had a rough first year. He didn't get a good grade from me. I think KD really built their coaching staff out this year, and uh, it showed. But, but hats off to to Buttonhozer and, and Milwaukee. They came to play. They played hard on both ends. And one thing you can you got to do in the playoffs, you got to play harder than, than, the, than the team you're playing against. And Giannis did that every night. And that's why they that's why they moving on to the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference Finals.
2: I think that this was definitely a welcome to the NBA moment for Steve Nash as far as coaching. Um, obviously, to lose two of your stars going into the playoffs, uh, you know, we never really got to see the three-headed monster um, like we all wanted to. And like you said, KD kept that, that that ship afloat. Some guys stepped up, some guys didn't. Uh, Brown played really well. You know, a role player who stepped up wasn't scared of the moment. Played his hard out. Very interesting why DeAndre Jordan didn't play one minute in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I was talking to him at the beginning, kind of keeping your head, stay ready, that kind of shit. But I just kind of sat back and watched. I'm just like, you're trying to tell me you can't use DJ at all right now? Like, I was very confused with that. But, you know, not to take anything away from Milwaukee, and I think you said it great. I mean, Giannis may be a a two-time MVP and get a lot of the accolades, but to me, Chris Middleton is the man on this team. Uh, But that's not to discredit Giannis. but Chris Middleton is the guy that steps up in clutch moments. On both ends of the floor. Keep in mind, he was. Uh, although you're not going to slow down or you're not going to stop someone like KD, but you know, shout out to PJ Tucker. But Chris Middleton guarded Kevin Durant down the stretch really well. You know, as well as you can. So Chris Middleton was doing it on both sides. Glad to see he stepped up. You know, they still got Drew Holiday over there. To me, the Bucks are possibly, 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 and we want to say this lightly because Atlanta's tough. But to me, it, it, it's 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 Milwaukee's. Eastern Conference Finals to lose and possibly title to lose. You know, they were my sleeper coming out of the East because I really felt that they just kind of floated under the radar all year. Different lineups, different looks, different rotations. That really showed um, in this series at time the way Bud was able to make adjustments and go with different lineups that we hadn't necessarily seen in previous playoff runs. But again... Atlanta Hawks, Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's going to be a beauty. Keeping the momentum going in the series, Jack. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals is Wednesday. Let's talk a little bit about this series, X-Factors, and key matchups we like. Let's start with the Milwaukee Bucks. Who do you think the X-Factor or key matchup will be? Well, the X-Factor to me is going to be Drew
3: Holiday. Philadelphia had seven-footers, guarding Trey Young. And we know how great of a def- a, def- a defender that uh, Drew Holiday is. I think he, he plays his role to a T, and he knows what he has to do to keep this team going. And uh, he's going to go out there and really try to lock up Trey and really make it difficult for him. I see him doing a great job. Uh, offensive-wise, it's, it's Middleton, of course. Like I said, he's, he's the best player on their team. He can do it all. And it, he's starting to come into his own in these playoffs. People are starting to see who he is and starting to really respect him. And if he can continue to have success on both ends of the floor and carry this team in the clutch moments – uh, and make the big plays like he's been doing, I see him being a big part of, of them getting out of this series.
2: Yeah, a lot of interesting matchups across the board. Uh, I like that Drew Holiday-Trey uh, Young matchup, but I wonder what it's going to be like on the defensive end for Trey Young. Do you put him on Holiday? Mm. You can't put him on Middleton. Middleton's too big. If you try to hide him on P.J. Tucker, P.J. Tucker's going to bully the shit out of him and, and stay on the offensive glass. So I really kind of – This is kind of a, this Milwaukee team again, as you mentioned, Atlanta did, this Milwaukee team plays a little bit of old school where they'll look for the mismatches in the back down. So, you know, Drew Holiday is great in the post, you know, Middleton is great in the post Uh, PJ Tucker's as strong as they come. So it's going to be interesting to me to see where they put um, Trey young on the defensive end, because it could be a long night, you know, that gets into his legs because he's going to have to guard this series, either one of those two guys or keep PJ Tucker's big, strong ass off the glass. So, That'll be interesting to watch. And I think another interesting matchup uh, that I'm really going to like is John Collins and Giannis. John Collins is an undersized, I don't know if you want to call him a four or five, but he definitely handled, he's been handling his own all throughout the playoffs. Uh, the dunk he had on, on Embiid was monsterish, but he plays bigger than he is. Someone that could somewhat match Giannis's athleticism um, and strength. So I'm definitely looking forward to that matchup because, you know, John Collins can also stretch out and hit the three ball. So that's going to be a fun matchup. But Great series. As Atlanta's proven, it shit, shit ain't sweet over there. You know what I mean? These guys have battled their way to the Eastern Conference Finals, where no one thought they would be, and have a chance to go to the finals now. So, although I think the Bucks will be favored, this will definitely be another battle uh, to, to to get to the finals for both of these teams. So it's going to be fun to watch. Who you got in this series, Jack? Uh, I got Milwaukee, man.
3: Um, more experienced coach, uh, Bud. Bud has been. You know, through the fire, he's been the championship coach, been on championship sidelines. I just think with the with the dominant dynamic of the way Middleton is playing right now, the defense and the leadership of Drew Holiday, and how hard Giannis plays, he plays harder than anybody in every arena, I just don't see them losing the
2: series. I want to pick the upset of the playoffs and, and take Atlanta. But, I, again, I just think Milwaukee is, has a different focus this year. Uh, I think being the number one seed the past two years, expectation, bright lights, they didn't do well. This season, they've been floating underwear, like I said, and kind of learning and mixing and matching shit up for different situations and different lineups, and it's paid off. So I, too, like Milwaukee in this series, but I think it's going to be a hell of a shootout. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it.
0: When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The
2: playoffs are the time for the real.
0: Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. What's up? I'm John Wall.
1: And I'm CJ Toledano, And we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year,
5: with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. The Western Conference Finals
2: got off yesterday with Phoenix taking game one over the Clippers. No CP3 for Phoenix, still no word on Kawhi uh, for the Clippers. But Devin Booker came and showed his ass. Uh, first career triple double, a forty point triple double. At one point, had eighteen points in, in the in the third quarter. What I like about this Suns team is everyone else who's stepping up. You know, you know what you're normally going to get from your stars and that's CP and book and they've delivered all playoffs. The question is, what are you going to get from your role players? And I don't mean to, uh, you know, put Aiden in that role player role because I definitely think he's, he's made a name for himself in these playoffs. But, you know, your crowders who's been there, the bridges, the pains, all these young kids that haven't necessarily been on this stage have stepped up and act like they've been in these lights before. And that's what I love about this Phoenix team. Uh, Jack, thoughts about this Phoenix team? Man, they're they they, they they're real deep, and everybody's playing their role. Obviously, uh,
3: Booker knew what he had to do, you know, with CP out. He had to play, you know, um, be a scorer and make plays and lead this team, and he definitely did that to a T with a 40-point triple-double. All the role players came in. I think Cameron Payne was big. You know, to, to, CP's one of those guys that you can't replace, but Cameron mm-hmm. Payne came in and ran the team, made some big assists to Aiden, and got Aiden going in the game when he needed to. Um, so th- this team is deep, man. Uh, I think Coach Monte Williams got these kids confident and ready to play. And uh, they they see an NBA championship in, in, in their future, man, and they're definitely starting to play like it.
2: Mm, talk to it. I'm just so impressed with Devin Booker. I've always been a huge fan of his game. My former college teammate Earl Watson was his first coach and just used to tell me what kind of monster this kid was and then getting to see it and then knowing how close he got with Kobe. I see a lot of Kobe I'm not going to say I'm not going to go as far as saying, you know, Stephen A. Smith said that he's the next Kobe. I'm not going to go as far as saying that, but I see a lot of Kobe in his mannerisms, his approach, his appetite to score, uh, his well-roundedness on on the offensive end. Uh, He was incredible. Uh, You know, he pretty much had to play point guard, although Cameron Payne had 11 points, nine assists down the stretch. The ball was in Book's hand and he was able to hit big shots and keep the rest of the team going, which was beautiful to me. The Clippers. Paul George is 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 back to being playoff p, and I like that because he's such a talented guy. I think he took a lot of heat for not stepping up, but he's been playing well. He had thirty four hits, seven threes. Uh, Reggie Jackson. I credit Ty Lue, man, because you know he's he's had some. They got so much talent. He's got he's had restrictions, and some guys haven't been playing, but he's found out the guys that have, and I I think once he took the handcuffs off Reggie Jackson, he's to me he's the reason why this team is in the western conference finals i think he's had three straight 20 point games boogie finally got to play man shout out boogie although he had what five or six fouls in his 11 minutes or in 13 minutes but he came with 11 points some rebounds a mean ass dunk and just muffed muffed the game up a little bit which i love to see and then rondo hit big dead shots down the stretch you know obviously ran the team so i think this is still a, a very interesting series you know with Unfortunately, you know, anytime you have a sprained, you know, ACL, the likeliness of coming back is is very low. And you always want to, you know, side on that side of caution, especially with a star like Kawhi. Um, So who knows if we're going to be able to see uh, Kawhi back. But well, what has been your thoughts on this Clipper team? Man, they've overcame adversity. They lost their star. They're in the Western Conference Finals and, and still in it because, you know, they're the only team to come down from 0-2. So if they lose the next game, you know they still have a chance to win this series. So thoughts on this Clipper team? I'm not worried.
3: I'm not worried about the first game. Obviously, Phoenix did what they were supposed to do. But like you said, this is the, this team has been down 2-0 already and came back in one series. I think that the fact that they see what Boogie, how Boogie, how dominant Boogie can be. And people are starting to see why me and you always speak highly of Boogie because we know what he can do. And he and he can really takes a lot of pressure off that team and even it out with Aiden. I think I think uh T. Lou continues to rely on Boogie, continue to give Reggie Jackson and um, Rondo's confidence to go out there and play. I think they'll be fine. Paul George know his role has to step up, and he's playing well. He's definitely being playoff p, but. If Boogie can, can stay out of foul trouble and play like he can play like, like he played in those thirteen minutes he played, I think they'll be fine. But uh, uh, salute to Ty Lue. He's doing a great job with with all the talent he has. Hopefully Morris' knee injury is not that serious. He'll be back. But the guys that he has playing and and, and the guys that stepped up in the previous series, I can see them stepping up again. I think this game, I think this series is definitely going seven.
2: Yeah, definitely looking forward to Terrence Mann, you know, getting his footing in this series. But you mentioned, uh, you know, Morris going down with uh, a knee issue. He would be a huge loss. He's someone who's hit big shots, um, you know, throughout these playoffs. Uh, seven, seven uh, threes in the in, in in the clinching game seven to get to the, uh, you know, to get to where we're at right now. So he would be a huge loss. We're hoping that his knee injury is not too serious. But this is going to be fun. Now, there's still no CP still in health protocol. So they're hoping to get some good good news soon, but they may have to go in game two without CP. But the good thing is, you know, they they bought themselves more time by winning game one. So again, they did what they're supposed to do. We'll see what happens in game two on Tuesday. And hopefully we'll get some good news on, you know, each team's respective stars in, in, in their return. Now we have on the radar presented to you by DraftKings. The final four is here. The NBA odds have the Bucks. Plus 100, it has the Phoenix Suns plus 140, the Clippers plus 800, the Hawks plus 1100. Uh, before you get to who you feel like is the best pick, one thing I wanted to point out is in this final four, we have three black coaches, which I think is a great thing. Mm. All we need is a chance. We can, we can hoop two. And we can coach. So all we need is some that's more right. representation in the front offices to give minority coaches some opportunities. Shout out to all the coaches in the Final Four, but and particularly these, these three black coaches that have kind of you know made their way and hopefully making it easier for other black coaches in the future. But back to odds on right. winning. Who you got, Jack? I'm going with the only team that's
3: fully healthy, the only team that has a back-to-back MVP, and the only team that's second-best
2: player is better than the MVP. I'm going with Milwaukee. Stupid. (laughs) Uh, Man, again, I I, I said it. It's not gonna. I think if anything, this playoffs have shown it. It hasn't been easy in any rounds. They've just been. They've been great playoffs. Although we've seen a lot of stars miss time. The competitiveness has been off the charts, and you know nothing has been easy. And I agree with you. You know, I would love to see CP get to the finals or win a ring. I would love to see my Clippers. Uh, get to the finals and win a ring I love what Trey Young is doing with his young Atlanta Hawk team but again the Bucks are the most healthy uh, have taken a lot of knocks on the way to get to this position and I just feel like it's their time so uh, to me again it's the Bucks' finals to lose but would love to see the Clippers or Suns knock them out. Man, this week we have a great episode coming up on all the smoke. Our brother Wiz Khalifa drops this Thursday, June 24th. We had a blast. We got as high as you could possibly get. Enjoy this teaser. See you again. A song that went, unfortunately, right along with the tragic loss of Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that song, how it came about. Obviously, it had a, a meaning too with Paul Walker. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, Paul Walker. But talk to us about how important
4: that song is and just the process of coming up with it. Damn. So, we'll start with what you said, how important it is. That song, for sure, biggest song of my career. One of your moments you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Being in an airport in Korea and hearing motherfuckers singing, you know, the hook and the verse and mm. shit like that, where they don't even speak English. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that That type of shit is crazy you you can think that your song is gonna do that, but for it to actually happen, it's just like all right, wow and uh the process for making it was was cold because they came to me, the people from Fast and Furious and Warner and atlantic uh they came to me and and they were like you know we're we're trying to put this song together, and your verse is gonna be one of probably like eight. You know what I mean? They're like, we want to make this like a compilation song. And Charlie's hook was just supposed to be just like this, like the reference. And they were like, we're going to get this artist on the hook. We're going to get this verse from this person and that. And I was like, all right, cool. So I just wrote my verse and just sent it in, you know, with no thought about it or whatever. I'm like, it's a soundtrack. It's a little bit of money, like, cool. And then they were like, nah, we, we want you to do the whole song. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I wrote another verse and they're like, well, we like this part of this verse, and we like that part of that verse. So, can you flip this? And can you? Flip? I'm like, oh, I know what's going on here. Y'all turn, y'all turning this to a motherfucking production. So, in my head, I'm like, just be available, be ready for every little step. If these motherfuckers tell you that they don't like one bar, just be available, be ready to to change it. And it was kind of a process of like tweaking the song for a few months, and then you know we shot the video before we even released it, and along with the release and just the song coming out, it just took off. It did what it it went crazy. Mm-hmm. And the message behind it, it just really, really like I don't know. I I I had no idea that they was about to go that crazy with it. All the energy that we put into it, it did everything that it was supposed to do. And the fans made it go crazy. It was freaking number one for uh I think fourteen weeks. It's I don't know how many times platinum and it's the only rap video at however many billion views that it has, mm-hmm. but I was the first rapper to ever get a billion views on YouTube mm-hmm. as well, so it helped me make history yeah. right? In a, in a lot of different ways, and it touched so many people. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. Talk <laughs> about your uh, tribute that you and Charlie did for Cope? for Cope.
4: Yeah, man. That was big. I was actually in Miami the night before, because it was Super Bowl weekend, and the Super Bowl was in Miami, so it was just a fucking craze fest. I had a whole week booked down there to just to be in Miami to work and, you know, work. And I was like, they hit me last minute was like, yo, we're doing because of course nobody fucking expected that shit to happen. And then there was the uh, the the home game. It was like the first home game. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know, we want you to do it. And I'm like, I'm in Miami. Of course I'ma fucking do it. I don't give a fuck what I gotta do. Like I'll f- jump on a jet, blah blah blah. Charlie just so happened to be in Miami too, so we both got on the same jet the next day, and just flew out and and knocked it out. And like that was just such a such an honor and such like a. I wouldn't have been at the crib like, yo, I, I wish I could do the fucking tribute for it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I'm like, That was just a beautiful ass thing. It was a great opportunity and couldn't ask for, for better stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Just to hold it down and to kind of put people at ease about a situation. What
2: was the energy like in the arena that
4: night? It was weird. It was like quiet. Like, you know what I mean? Like so. Yeah, it was like a it was like a hoop game, but nobody was really there, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's what it felt nobody like. Nobody
0: wanted to be there. Yeah. yeah.
4: It felt full, but it didn't feel like nobody was there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. You ever met Kobe? You ever seen him play? Yeah. I never seen him play, but I got to meet him a couple times. Yeah. Always a cool ass dude, bro. Like just great energy, smiling, very welcoming. I do a lot of charities and things like that, and I will always see him at those events. Mm-hmm. Things for single fathers and things for families and things to help out, like real ass situations, like Kobe would be there. Mm-hmm. And even like just fucking partying. Like, see, I seen him at like Puff Daddy's house. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just mm-hmm. kicking it. Right. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Mm, rest in peace. Yeah, RIP for sure.
2: It's time to make your mark with Tally and Twine Watch Company.
3: The luxury watch brand is 100% black owned and ran by two HBCU grads and former college roommates. Tally and Twine offers detail and luxury with styles for both men and women. The Virginia-based company founded in 2014 has been featured in Men's Health, The Rob Report, Black Enterprise, Huffington Post, New York Magazine,
2: Cosmopolitan, and more. Join the Tally & Twine family. Shop at tallyandtwine.com and use the code ATS for 10% off your next order. Next up, we're on the clock presented to you by Tally & Twine. A lot of teams have made decisions to part ways with their head coaches. Let's start with the Dallas Mavericks and Luka, Jack. Anybody come to mind when you're thinking about teaming them up with Luka for a nice, successful run? People like Terry Stotts uh, have been thrown in the mix since he's not with Portland anymore. MA Udoka, Becky Hammonds, Jason Kidd. Someone who I think has a great shot is Jamal Mosley. Been on the staff since 2014 and has a great relationship with Luka. Thoughts on this Dallas vacancy? I think it's Jason Kidd. Uh, I
3: think that would be the best to pair with him. Jason Kidd is one of the best point guards to ever touch a basketball. He's played in Dallas, had a lot of success in Dallas, and he's respected by everybody in the basketball world. We see how well teams go and how how, how confident players are when they have an ex-player as a coach. Um, and I think the position he plays as, as, as a leader of the team and as dominant as Luke is, having a coach like J. Kidd that he can talk to about in-game and off-the-court stuff, I think it'll benefit him most. I really don't see anybody else being that guy. Um, he, Luke, Luke is more, more solid and more urban than people think. So having a coach
2: like J. Kidd will really benefit him in my mind. So, Jack, when you say urban, do you mean he's got a little black in his blood? <laughs>
3: I mean, I mean that most most people that's not black get invited to the barbecue. Luca's throwing his own barbecues, and he's inviting us.
2: Yeah, L- Luca might come in with three bad black sisters too, so you never know with Luca. <laughs> Moving on to Portland, uh, who is ideal to team up with Dame? You know, Dame came out the gates and said Jason Kidd, and then Jason Kidd removed himself from the situation. Uh, we got Mike D'Antoni over in Brooklyn. Nope. Becky Hammond again. Uh, Carlisle, Brooks, Dan Van Gundy. But my choice is Chauncey Big Shot Billups. Your thoughts? I agree. I don't know
3: how D'Antoni keep getting jobs, bro. I just, I just don't get it, bro. Why, <laughs> why, why, why is he still getting jobs? No, x him out of every coaching job. He no. Uh, I'm with you, bro. Chauncey Billups for sure. Chauncey Phillips deserve a shot. He's a Finals MVP, and he's similar to Jay Kidd. He's played the game. He's been on great teams, and he knows what it takes to win. He know what he knows what a mm-hmm. point guard needs around him, and he knows what it takes what it takes to win. D'Antoni's never won an NBA championship. Chauncey has. You got to go with guys who have more experience on the court because these guys re- rely more and relate more to guys who's played
2: the game. It's just the facts. I think we're 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 embarking upon a new wave where normally we're recycling the same coaches. You get fired from one spot and go to the next spot, but I think there's a little bit more former player getting some love and looks, which is important because these players aren't too far removed from the game so they can relate to these younger players easier you know I said early on that Stan Van Gundy wasn't a good fit for New Orleans because he's not not that he's not a good coach not that he's not a good X and O's he's just too outdated in his styles you know what I mean so to me we continue to recycle these same coaches that again aren't bad coaches just their systems haven't translated to this younger thing so I think it's good I would love to see Billups get a shot I would love to see Becky Hammond's Possibly get a shot as as the first female. You know, Sam Cassell's out there. We'll talk about him. Darvin Ham, Ime Udoka. Um, you know, mentioning those names, that the Celtics are interested heavily in former players uh, taking that next head coaching spot in Boston, which is which is very interesting to me. And some people at the top of the list are are, are African American coaches considering. Um, all the heat this, uh, the, you know, this fan base is taken for racist moments and, and, and actions. What are your thoughts on who could possibly be the next head coach of the Boston Celtics?
3: Well, if, 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 if Chauncey and Sam don't get a job anywhere else, I think they perfect. They both played there. They both have experience there. And like I said, man, these are guys that's been around. That's been around great coaches, but also were leaders in their own right. Both NBA champions. So I, I just, I, I just see guys, you know, really, really understanding players and getting the game that they need today because the game has changed, and and and, and the, the 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 willingness to give your all. The, the playing with passion and, and, and going out there to, to to die and die for your brother to win a game, that game has kind of faded away from the NBA. And I think these guys came in that era where you had to be passionate every night. You had to be passionate for your teammate. You had to lead by example. And these guys can can teach that to these, to these young guys that's coming in the game now. So Sam and Chance are definitely at the top of my list.
2: You know what I like uh, right now, Jack? One thing that I already mentioned, there's a lot of black candidates and and female candidates available um, for their possible first time being head coaches, but they are also good teams that they're going to get a chance to coach. A lot of times these minority coaches get Mm -hmm. these weak-ass teams that have been at the bottom of the league and don't have a chance to really do anything with, and they get a year or two and they're gone. So what I like is although there are going to be some bad teams looking for coaches – There's also some really good teams that need head coaches, and there's a lot of black candidates and, again, women um, getting an opportunity and getting a look there. So that's always good because, to me, it's it's like fool's go. When you give a black coach a bad team, it's a ticking time bomb. It's only a matter of time, and he's going to take the heat, you know. So... We'll have to see how this goes. I, to me, there's going to be a lot more coaching vacancies opening up. You know, the season isn't even over yet. So look to – there's going to look to obviously a lot of free agent movement as always in trades, but look to – you know, the, the, the coaching carousel is going to be wide open this summer and fun to watch. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it.
0: When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real – their year these are the moments of unscripted pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood you've waited all season for this it's time to take it to the next level don't miss one minute of the action tune into the nba playoffs on espn and abc
4: what's up i'm john wall
1: and i'm cj toledana and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called point game we're now joined by three-time nba six man of the year <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: at t connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream.
4: Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians,
0: or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to Voices That Glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
2: On to our next segment, our favorite segment, fan questions. Let's get started. The underscore action underscore Hank. What is the most impressive and most disappointing difference you've seen in younger players now versus younger players in the early 2000s?
3: Well, I think today's game, all you got to do is have to have, to have a, a high Instagram following and, and have somebody follow you around and put all your highlights <laughs> on Instagram to be noticed and be good. We didn't have that. We had to actually work. We had to actually show that we cared about the game. We had to actually play with passion and, and, and show it. Uh, we didn't have social media to, to, to make us look good. We had to look good in real time. And uh, I think that's the difference. You know, I'm not saying these kids don't work. But it's easier for them and 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 a lot more is given to them than what we were given. You we know, We had to work harder, and that's the big difference. People might not understand that because they're on the outside looking in, but me as a player, I see how easy it is now than how than how hard it was when we
2: played and it's just the truth uh to me, the difference is, and this is not all the young players because i don't, I don't ever want to group people. But to me, I see a higher skill level when I talk about individual skill, ball handling and all that kind of stuff, but a lower basketball IQ. I think that players now, mm, it's all a about way to put individual it. workouts. And, you know, back when we were coming up, it was less, I mean, people worked out, but it was more about playing. You I mean, all we did was play. So like your basketball IQ had to raise because you're playing against, you know, the best during the season and you're playing against the best in the world during the summer. So it was just a lot of basketball and there was more b- b- basketball IQ. Now it's the, the league is younger and I'd say as skilled as the league has ever been as let as athletic as the league has ever been. But I think the basketball IQ still hasn't caught up to some of these guys. And again, that's not everyone because there's some very smart young players out here that are doing it uh both ways. But uh that would be my one thing is just, like I said, I think the basketball IQ uh, Will eventually catch up, and you know, as younger players in the early 2000s, we sat behind some of these vets and kind of learned the ropes and learned the game. Now there's no vets, so now these young kids are just coming in playing. Um, so, to me, that was my take. That was Jack's take. Hope we answer your question, my brother. Next fan question: At Jay Collar
3: 23, with all the coach movement going on, do you think someone like Chance would get a great opportunity to turn the franchise? I'll get someone over the hump.
2: I do. You know, as we touched in our last segment, there's a lot of uh high profile jobs up for grabs and and mark my words, Chauncey Bills will be a head coach in the NBA next year. I think it's it's just gonna be on who he feels uh is the best fit for him because you look at all these teams and he's you know top one or two named on every list. Um well deserved. Uh, always, you know, got a chance to play with Chance, play with them and against them. Great basketball mind. And, and to me, you always got to think that, you know, point guards were always coaches on the floor during their careers, you know, so that transition to that first seat is not a biggest transition as people want to make it seem. You know what I mean? Like Chris Paul, I wouldn't – although he's probably not going to be a coach when he's done, great basketball mind. I could see him transitioning those spots. Chauncey Billups, the same thing. So I definitely do feel like Chauncey would get a shot this year. Um I'm almost willing to bet one of my kids on it. Next question House on Saturn. What's the illest piece of clothing you dropped an ash from a blunt on and burned a hole in?
3: <laughs> oh, man, that's easy oh, for me. Shit, I don't smoke no one. more, Matt. I don't smoke no more, but I do remember I had this brand new uh, Nike te- uh, Tech Fleet sweatsuit, man. And it was fresh out the box. I was, you know, I was, I think I was in the car getting ready to go somewhere, and I was smoking in the car. On my way to somewhere, and I had a brand-new Nike Tech fleece sweatshirt on, man. I'm talking about I burned a big old hole right mm. in the crouch area, and I was sick because I couldn't turn mm. back around, and I, and I knew cameras and stuff was going to be on me, so I had to kind of like fold it, well, when I'm sitting down, and kind of put my hand on top of it just so they wouldn't see the hole, but I burned a big hole in the bro. I was sick, man. Anytime you burn your Nike Tech fleece I know you, your day is ruined.
2: That's funny. I mean, smoking and driving is 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 definitely dangerous. If that if that if that uh, cherry falls off, boy, because you could fuck around, burn your seat, burn yourself, crash. I mean, obviously none of that has really happened, but it's. I remember uh, the We Believe team. I, yo, we were driving back. I don't I don't I don't even think no one was with me, but I know I was smoking on the way back to your place. We had just landed, and uh, uh, the cherry fell off one of my blunts, and I curved my fucking rim like I was trying to. Swipe the shit off the seat and curb the fuck out of one of my rims. I had just got some new 24s too. I was mad as a motherfucker. But back to the question. Um, we used to play this game when I first got in league with my homeboys back at home where I'd have this man cave and we would just smoke. I would work out in the morning and then the rest of the day was smoking in video games. So we would toss the blunt to someone when they weren't looking and hopefully landed on their shorts. And if they're super high, they're just not paying attention. to so That motherfucking blunt will burn through their shorts, through their draws, and burn the fuck out of their legs. So we used to play that game a lot, but I was always quick on my toes because obviously I have big lungs, so I would never really get too blowed and, and non-focused. So I was probably the best at like tossing that bitch across the room, having it land. And you got to think, this is the early 2000s, so we all had big, baggy shorts. So you didn't really feel when something would fall on your lap like you do tonight, with them uh, like these days with the nut huggers. But I tossed that right. blunt like that blunt across the room it'll land on someone's shorts perfect, and next thing you know... Burnt the fuck out of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's dirty. Oh, shit. The good old
3: smoking days. Next fan question. At D.Liddell. Do away teams really have an advantage when their fan base shows up more than the home team? Any experience stick out to y'all personally?
2: Absolutely. Um, That... that Still in my life, never had heard a crowd or louder than the those Oracle crowds during our playoff run. Um, with with the you know the opportunity to go back during the the, the 2017 uh, playoff and final run, crowd was good, but it wasn't like the Oracle crowd. So I definitely do feel like uh, you know that home court game seven crowd is very important. What do you think?
3: Well, I think on the road if you is. Your fans can come, but the home team's uh, crowd is still going to overshadow the, the the road team's crowd. I don't care how many come, they're still going to get overshadowed. But it's just this, it's just this with me. You have some players that can play on the road and some can't. You know, you guys can make shots at home, they can't make them on the road, and, and that happens. And you're starting to see that a lot in today's game. You know, I mean, a lot of guys are big shot takers, but they're not big shot makers. A lot of guys can shoot well at home, but they can't hit a shot on the road, and uh, that's just the
2: way it is, man. Last question: The King Jose twenty three. What is a realistic trade or free agent signing that can happen this offseason that can change the landscape of the NBA?
3: Ooh, change the landscape of the NBA if Dame if Dame goes to L A. or if Dame if Dame if Dame gets moved if Dame goes to another team anywhere in the league. I think that'll be a, that'll be a big shift for the NBA. I think everybody else is going to stay put, but if Dame Lillard is, is leaving Portland or moved to anywhere. You know, it's going to have everybody talking.
2: There's always movement in the summertime. And I think that's what's continued to grow the game. Even in the offseason, if someone like Dane moves, it would steal the headlines from baseball, football, anything else going on. So there's always going to be some movement. I'm going to go out on a rope and say one of those two stars in Portland won't be there next year. I think that team has probably ran their course with that backcourt. Both great players. Uh, to mm. me, you know, Dame has obviously had the nod over CJ, but CJ, a great player in his own right. Um, I think one of those guys are move. Most likely Ben Simmons is going to be on the move. Um, and there's always other people that end up on the move that, that, that no one expected. So I don't really know who is going to make a move. Obviously, if you name the best player out there and he's thinking about moving, uh, possibly uh, would be Dame Lillard. But... Some people are going to move, but it's definitely going to change the landscape and put teams in position to make a real title run next year. Don't let the Lakers get day. That's going to be trouble, trouble, trouble. Right. Next up, quick hitters. Uh, The Celtics trade Kimball Walker to OKC for Al Horford uh, in return. Obviously takes a lot of money off the Celtics' salary cap and gives them flexibility. But, Jack, the person in this trade that no one's talking about But to me is the steal of the trade is my young UCLA brother, Moses Brown, who was seven feet tall in limited time, averaged nine and nine in 20 20 minutes for OKC. Um, He's someone that could really help Boston. Uh, He's long. He's big. He's had those 20-20 games um, already. So he's someone, Tiffany, because we feel both feel You know, outside of finding probably a distributing point guard for Boston, they need help in that center position. So this kid, Moses Brown, mark my words, some of you already know about him. This kid is going to be a really good center and a really big pickup uh, for Boston.
3: Yeah, I, um, I coached him in the Allen Iverson game, Matt. I'm big high. I'm high on him. Uh, I just, I just want him to get more physical. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I want him to get more physical and, and really play with more passion. The kid has all the tools. He can put the ball on the floor. He can do all those things that, that people haven't seen him do. And, uh, I'm not, I I don't even want to talk about, uh, Kimball going to OKC or Harper coming. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, This kid is right. You're right, Matt. You picked the right kid to talk about because this kid can really change the outlook of the Boston
2: Celtics team. So I think with Horford, I'm thinking is obviously leadership because I think, you know, Horford's had a great career, but I think he's at the end of his run. And OKC could be a similar situation how it was for uh, for CP3, you know, let it be a springboard for him to bounce out and spread his wings. Uh, but someone over there that I really like that handles the ball a lot already is Shea Gilgis. And to me, he's an up-and-coming right. star. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, him and him and Kimba uh, can work together. Next up, Dinwiddie. I think a lot of people forgot about him, but he was, was a key contributor to the Nets before he tore his ACL, decides to opt out of his final uh, year of his deal. I think it's around $12 million and will be an unrestricted free agent. Good move or bad move coming off an ACL, Jack? I think it's a bad move. They needed him
3: and after after seeing Joe Harris lay a egg, you know, I think he should have he should have came back and, and, and got that twelve million and proved himself again. You know, we get we're getting some money. Uh being shopped right now after injury like that, nobody really knows what he's gonna bring to the table and what type of player he's gonna be. So I think that's a bad move by him, but hey, Is he in charge charge of his own career? Hopefully he made the the right decision.
2: Normally I would say this is is a bad move, but I don't necessarily think it is a bad move anymore because guys are coming back off injuries like they never missed a beat. And before they didn't. I mean, in case in point, his fucking teammate, you know, KD comes off an Achilles injury. And to me, is the best player in the game coming off that injury, which is crazy, you know. So guys are coming back stronger. Um, He would have been huge if they had Dinwiddie. With all the injuries they had, they would have been fine because he was someone who wasn't scared of the moment, got buckets, uh, big them when it counted. So it'll be interesting to see if Brooklyn tries to re-sign him or he hits the market because I think he's going to come back strong. And he's a you know eighteen to twenty-two point a night game uh, guy anyway. So. We'll see what happens with him in free agency, man. Wish him the uh, best of luck. Definitely coming off an injury. Next up, the guy we've been showing love to throughout the season, James Jones, wins executive of the of the year. Um, went over to that Phoenix Suns front office and has put a lot of great pieces together that has this team three wins away from the NBA finals. So shout out James Jones, man. Jack, what are your thoughts? Again, someone we've been hyping up all season and glad to see his, uh he's getting recognized for his hard work.
3: Yeah, former teammate, uh, great guy. He's just a winner. Every team he's been on, he just brought the luck to it to win. You know, every, he's, he's, he's a multi-champion. Uh, he has a whole bunch of rings. And, uh, I'm not surprised. This guy's always been a winner, always been a great guy, always somebody that's going to give it to you, give you the real at all times. And he understands the game. He's played with a lot of great players. So I'm happy for my boy. Nobody deserves it more than JJ.
2: See, this is great to me, and this is what I touch back on, too, with black coaching. When this kind of shit happens, it opens doors and opportunities and possibly raises eyebrows for other teams to give former players chances like the Phoenix Suns gave uh, James Jones. I still don't fuck with Robert Sarver at all, the owner of the Suns. Shout out our brother, exec of the year. And, you know, Phoenix is three (laughs) three games away from the finals. (laughs) Next up, LaMelo Ball wins rookie of the year. Although going down second half of the season with a broken wrist, came back, you know, fought, did his thing. I'm very impressed with this young kid, man. This, this, you know, there's a lot to be made of, you know, him and his brother, but he's came out and showed that he is a star, someone that can change a franchise, not just with his play on the court, but just his energy and his, his usefulness. Uh, I think it's really been a shot in the arm for that whole city. So shout out LaMelo, NBA rookie of the year.
3: Yeah, congrats, congrats to Melo, but I had Edwards winning it. Uh, we don't reward guys for playing the whole season. We don't, you know, we we we, we don't reward guys for what they have doing and been able to stay healthy and play all these games. Uh, Edwards didn't miss a beat this year. He had some of the biggest highlights of the NBA season, had some 40-point games. This kid really mm-hmm. balled out, and, and and I hate the hype, and the people that never played the game are so caught up on the hype. You know, not saying Melo's not good, but Edwards showed a lot all season long, and I think a lot of players looked at this award different.
2: I agree 100 percent. And I was saying earlier to me, this is a co-rookie of the year opportunity, similar to how they gave uh, Grant Hill and Jason Kidd. I don't know if anyone else has won a co-rookie of the year, but to me, for everything you said, Edwards didn't miss a beat, although it was a bad team. He nearly, you know, averaged 20 points a game, did what he can do and just showed that the sky is the limit for this kid. So definitely shout out Lamelo. Uh, I know, i would actually just seen Edwards somewhere too, but knowing him, he's going to use this shit as motivation and come out and, and, and have a great season next year. So, congrats to both those young players, man. The future is very bright for both those young stars. Jack, in closing, you were front and center this weekend for the Jamal Charlo fight versus Martel. Man, that dude has a hell of a chin. Went all 12 rounds. Charlo had him wobbled a couple times, but man, he kept walking through and ended up getting you to manage this decision for Charlo. What was that fight and energy like uh, in H-Town this past weekend?
3: Oh, man, shout-out to H-Town. Shout-out to Showtime Boxing, man. It was a great event like usual, man. Uh, a great fight. I think um – uh, Jam- Jamal needed that fight. He needed to be tested. He needed to go into deep waters for a fight. M- M- Montiel was awesome, man. I think he de- he deserved another big fight, too, because that kid kept coming the whole fight. He didn't back down, but mm-hmm. Jamal-, mm-hmm. Jamal was just hitting him with so many punches, and Jamal won by a landslide. I think it was a couple rounds where Montiel threw by four or five punches. You know, He didn't- he wasn't even throwing punches, but he still was walking and coming forward the whole fight. It was great entertainment, great for the city of Houston. The whole c- city of Houston came out to, su- to support Jamal, and uh, it was another big Big win for
2: him, yeah. We saw Errol Spence, who is obviously friends with the twins, uh, come and show support. He's fighting Pacquiao this year. What's next for uh Jamal? In your point, in your point of view, Jamal wants Triple G, Triple G, or Canelo. You know, I, I think he
3: understands mm-hmm. how this fight went, and this was a good fight for him. He understands if we fight either one of these guys. He could possibly get knocked out, and it's definitely gonna be a 12-round fight. So he's excited about the lesson he learned this fight, and he's looking forward to Triple Gia Canelo next fight.
2: Stay tuned as we'll be in at Atlanta this week for another great bout on Showtime pay-per-view between Javante Tank Davis, an all the smoke alumni, and Mario Barrios. Thoughts on this uh this weekend? Come on, man. You
3: know we big Javante Davis fans, man. I think I've been to his last two or three fights. Uh, The kid is exciting, man. I think what's more exciting about me is we've never seen him take training camp and and preparation so serious like he's done the last two fights. And I think that's what's making him so scary. Um, I want to see him continue to go. He's a knockout artist. And one thing about boxing fans, we love to see knockouts. So the the guy, Mario Barrios, the guy he's fighting, has been in wars, and this guy has a chin, and the guy can fight as well. So um, I think any time you fight a a Mexican fighter, you know what time it is. They They come in to really scrap. So... Uh, I'm excited to to see this fight, Mm -hmm. and I'm excited
2: to be there. Mm -hmm. Well, hope you guys enjoyed this episode of What's Burning. You can catch us every week on Showtime Basketball YouTube. And on Twitter and Instagram at ShowBasketball. Peace, y'all. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no
0: room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The
2: playoffs are the time for the real.
0: Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears. Real legacies.
2: Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer?
0: Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC.